Welcome to the Talent Brand Podcast by Talent Brand Alliance. My name is Will Staney. I'm CEO at Proactive Talent and co-founder of the Talent Brand Alliance with my fellow co-founder, Brian Cheney. Hey there, this is Brian, Director of Employer Brand at Indeed and co-founder of the Talent Brand Alliance. Now, the Talent Brand Alliance is a community for recruitment marketing and employer branding professionals who want to connect with and learn from their peers both online and offline. We're here to talk and learn about all things recruitment marketing, talent brand building, and talent brand technology with the employee experience storytellers that do this every day. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everybody. Uh, We are here for the Talent Brand uh, Podcast. We've got Charlotte Marshall, big, big fan uh, of Charlotte's. Hey, Charlotte. And, And so happy to have her joining us. Charlotte's uh, facilitating at the next Talent Brand Summit. But first, we want to learn about Charlotte. And so I uh, would love to, to hear more about what you do. I know you're the uh, VP of uh, Digital, Social, and Employer Brand at Magellan Health. I'd love to hear more about that and a little about your role. Yeah. Welcome back, by the way. Absolutely. Welcome back. We, love, we, we, we had to bring you back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. For anyone who I didn't meet last year, um, a little bit about what I do. I work for Magellan Health, which is a Fortune 500 U.S. healthcare company. And last year, I helped build their employer brand in under 100 days. And this year, we're really focused on activating that employer brand. So I just released a new career site. And we're really focusing on our content strategy and getting really smart about what content converts what type of applicants and fueling that pipeline. So I'm really hopeful that we can up our 2% conversion rate to something more respectable this year. Awesome. That's awesome. And by the way, I'm a huge fan of that. I'm something that I'm striving for too. Um, so you've been super, super busy over the last year, clearly. Yeah, it's been a, like many people in the audience, a army of one for a lot of the work. I was lucky to get a squad of interns to help me get the site ready over the summer and a lot of great agency partners. but. Most of us in this space don't have a shortage of work to do. That's for sure. Yeah, awesome. What are what are some of the challenges uh, you know in your role there at Magellan Health that I don't know that, that get you excited to wake up every day? Well, I always look for a couple of ingredients when I'm thinking about the type of brands that I want to lend you know my expertise to, and it's certainly mem- meaningful, purposeful work, but also a challenge. And if you look at the healthcare industry. They don't have the big budget and a lot of the resources that the big biotech brands that I worked for before had. So there's a challenge there to be able to have similar results with a lot less resource and using your expertise to be really smart about where you place your bets. And then also, if you look at just the industries and the talent market, healthcare is probably the most competitive and some of the most sought after roles. There's about 2% unemployment across the space and an influx of new healthcare jobs expected to rise over the next five years, outpacing all of the industries. So if you take a really great brand that's doing great things that nobody knows about, that has the potential to really change the way healthcare is managed and improve people's lives, it's a cool opportunity to come and help them tell their story, to beat their, you know, beat their drum a little bit and just start drawing in a higher caliber of talent to help them meet those goals. That's yeah, awesome. so really uncovering the the hidden gems, right? Looking for the looking for the the company that's doing the right things, um, but just has to get better at talking about the right things that they're doing. Yeah, super timely in the healthcare industry right now. I've been working with a lot of clients in, in healthcare um, at my company as well, and it's 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 
it's tough out there. Um, the, the, the retention is, is a huge issue on the nurse side. There's so many, even folks are coming in as nurses and, uh, and getting a little burned out because of the, the uh, patient to nurse ratios at some of these places and they just can't keep them. Um, and so having a strong employer brand, having great employee engagement to keep these nurses interested and other healthcare professionals is super important. So I bet that's really, really impactful and rewarding work. It's been awesome to kind of see, see what you've been doing there at Magellan Health. It's awesome. Nurses in particular are probably the most sought after job category in our space. And if you look at it, and especially when I joined healthcare company, I didn't realize this, but everyone is offering the same type of work and the same meaningful opportunity. So employer brand practitioners in the healthcare space really play a pivotal role in peeling back the layers to dive a bit deeper to differentiate our brands. Because anywhere a nurse works, they're gonna make a difference and they're gonna do great work, but it's often how we work and why we work and the things that culturally bind our organizations together that can be the deciding factor whether or not you get that top nurse. And most of the healthcare companies project a very similar image. I just did an audit of all the big sites when we were developing our website and most of them look exactly the same. And I did an exercise with my team. I took all the mission statements and a bunch of logos and I asked them to match them up and you can't. They're all (laughs) the exact same thing. So EB is a really has a big opportunity within healthcare to help people stand out a bit more. Yeah. And that, that demand for nurses is only going up. I think it's going up something like, like 15% and next year. Um, And then not to mention uh, some of the supporting roles within that, that industry as well. Um, uh, Physical therapists, um, uh, you know, in, in some of those other uh, roles within healthcare, uh, they're growing at even faster pace. Um, though probably not as much of the supply, uh, issue as, as nurses. So, um, just an interesting, interesting challenge. Um, and it's really cool to, to that folks at some are going to have an opportunity to learn from someone with your, with your experience. I know we have actually a lot more healthcare companies, uh, coming, uh, to the next one than we did, uh, even last year. So it'd be very, very timely. Yeah, especially probably because of some of the things that we talked about. Uh, we have a, uh, I know that, uh, Merck is another company, yep. uh, uh, that's being, that actually Merck was being represented. It's now, uh, it's now Amgen. That's right. He moved, he went over That's right. That's right. So, so, but what, we, but we've got, um, uh, uh, was it, uh, Children's Hospital. Yep. So Texas Children's Hospital is coming back. Um, yep. So what, what I really want to know, because we've all got these very entrepreneurial mindsets, you have to um, make stuff up with nothing a lot of times. And so what I'm curious if like your path to get to um, uh, talent branding, like what is that? How did you how did you get on that path? How, how did you get into the industry? My background is in internal employee communications. And then if you think about it, it's really the exact same audience. It's just after they've made the progression from candidate to employee. And when I was working for an organization um, in that internal capacity, a need came up to start doing a recruitment campaign. I think it was Ernst & Young at the time. And a partner came to me and said, Charlotte, I need to convince 100 CPAs to move from Philadelphia to Washington, DC, and we're not gonna pay them any more money. And, um, you know, the commute and the cost of living and all of that is, it's a big ask and we're not going to do anything to help them financially. What can you come up with to help entice and get this movement to happen? And if I look back, I would say that that was the first recruitment marketing sort of talent branding campaign that I did. And then it's a pretty easy segue from internal side to embedded brand. 
It is. So my question is, so you, you know who that person is, right? You said you, you, you remember when that person came to you and asked you, um, can you, I need to do this. How would you do it? Um, do you ever, do you ever go back to them? Do you stay in touch with that person? Do they know that they, they have effectively, uh, put a fork in your career road? You know what? I haven't, we are still in touch and he's now one of the most senior leaders at Ernst and Young. So he's done really well for himself. Um, he was a young partner at the time and I'll do that. I will. Yeah. Cause you never, you, people don't know a lot of times, like what, what effect they had on your, on your life, like whether it's a recruiter or it's a, uh, a mentor or a peer or just a random person walking down the hall, they could say something that could set your, your life and your career on a completely different path, which is, which is awesome. That's what happened to me. I, I reached out to my old boss at VMware that, you know, uh, that gave me that first, that first chance. And uh, we've stayed really good friends and we go have lunch every once in a while um, just to show them, that, man, you, you really help open up a whole new world in my career. So that's awesome. I, I, I love that. Uh, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, everyone kind of gets into this, this, space a little bit differently and so it, it helps me learn a little bit more about the typical skill sets within this role that exists it's, it, I see a lot of people come from internal comms a lot of people from the marketing side um, but even more folks coming from uh, the recruiting side and learning and, and learning the marketing side as well so it's just it's cool to see what what moves people down that path and I've met a handful of people that are new in the space this year with an internal comms background. And the ones that have internal comms background tend to take a bigger grab at the people communications. And you're seeing more of a hybrid of roles come out that's EV and people communication related. Um, I know Danielle is trying to come back this year. She just joined Pegasystems and she's got that dual role. And it's really cool to see because the attraction part is huge with all of our jobs, but I think the power for engagement and retention is stronger and can do more for our organizations. And when you start to see the roles combined and an aligned experience go through, the application candidate process to the employee process, it's really powerful. Absolutely. It's so core, right? Because to me, like the effectively, effectively, like an employer brand is employee engagement pushed outwards, right? It's, it, it, you know, because you can't do it without the employee voices. So uh, having those things tied makes so much sense to me. And, I, and I'm even seeing more internal comms reporting into the HR function with employer branding as well. And, and those really kind of sitting together. And uh, I love it. I love seeing that. And, and, and then them cross pollinating over there with corporate marketing to find that connection. Um, it's great. So Charlotte, uh, speaking of different people, different roles uh, that lead to, into the talent brand space, whose work really inspires you? So we, we do a lot. We, we, we pay attention. We're, we're all connectors, right? We, we know a lot of people in the space. But whose work inspires you lately? I was thinking about that today. And I'm really inspired by the brands that are sort of showing some brave, creative tactics and coming out and doing things that are different and eye-catching. And I'm seeing more of that in actually the early careers and sort of student new grad hiring programs. And I've been looking to see what brands are doing there. And BT did a really cool campaign with these Google Cardboard experiential. Um, have you guys, you know what I'm talking about? The Google Cardboard. Oh, Google. yeah. 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 They did a really cool campaign. And you could step into their booth and you could put on the Google Cardboard and you could get an experience or a sense of what your work um, work environment was going to be like. And if you looked onto the walls, there were certain puzzles and different things that you could solve that really sparked the persona's interest. 
and also getting a really good vibe for what your office would be like. And I think as a result of that event, if I'm right, um, they filled their roles um, in a third of the time that they normally do just from designing a really cool transmedial experiential event like that. So I really think they're doing some cool stuff you should check out. I love that. I've been really getting into virtual reality lately. I've got the the Oculus Go, um, and then I've also got the the PlayStation VR. And I can't help but just think about how many implications it has. Because if our goal in employer branding is to give people a better feel and sense of what it's going to be like on the job through employer branding, to either have them not you know uh, apply or to, to get them to apply because they're more knowledgeable about the role and excited. VR is like that times 10. You're, you can literally give people the experience that, of, of what that role is, especially if you think about um, some of these roles. We're working with a company that does landscaping, and they, they have people who try and climb into trees and, 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 do, um, and do some pretty risky stuff. But I can imagine like if you're, if, you, if you're thinking about doing that job and you can see a VR experience of that, not only would that be fun and kind of a cool experience, but too, like you really get a sense of what it's going to be like climbing up a hundred foot tree. Yeah. You would definitely find out really, really quickly whether or not you had a problem with heights. You hopped into the VR for, for tree trimmers. Exactly. But how cool is that to think about creating more digital experiences that cross over into a physical event space and creating that, that story. That's awesome. I love that. Now that was, and that was, um, like you said, event based. So it was come into our booth, like pick, put on the, uh, the, 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 the cardboard and, and have a look around. I'm curious if they're based on the success of that, if they're going to take that and broaden it out beyond events. Right. Cause you can, you can see like, there's some people, not everybody has the latest tech, like, uh, like will here. Um, so for like, for me, I have a Google cardboard. And that's like, yeah, I'm, that's, they're cheap that's too, especially if you buy them in bulk as a company, I, I could yeah. imagine doing some really yeah. interesting um, recruitment marketing collateral where you're sending, you're sending those cardboard glasses out to new hires or maybe specific candidates. And when they put it on and download the company app, they can do a, an office tour. Uh, you know, they can, you know, walk through the, the halls of, of their potential new, new, new office. Or you could also, depending upon the functionality, you could then you could you could video the team that's doing the hiring and like, hey, meet your team. I'm so and so. I'm so and so. Like it wouldn't oh, necessarily like virtual be, introductions right. as you walk exactly you know, because they're, as they're part of the as they're part of the event. I think that would be really really cool for super targeted high level recruitment marketing and reach outs. I think that would be very cool. Great example. Yeah, but even now that you know you've got you've got YouTube. Um, 360. Oh yeah. And, and so if you own an Oculus, which they're becoming more and more inexpensive, it's like 170 bucks or something like that for a whole VR kit, just in a headset, you know, and they're on YouTube. I think that that could be the future. It could be in a more, you know, kind of content you have like that. That's dynamic. Um, they don't even have to download an app anymore to do that. It's just, it's on YouTube with a hey, Google Will we Harvard. bring your Oculus to the talent brand summit so we can play with it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's I, really neat. I think he has one attached to himself at all times now. <laughs> I want I, to do one. I carry it in my hard carrying case like everywhere I go. I'm just kidding, I don't. Yes. <laughs> um, so so what uh, tell us tell as we as we're thinking about the summit, um, tell us about your experience um, attending at this at this past summit. I'm curious um, from a facilitator perspective, uh, being a returning facilitator, like what 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 were you thinking 
before the event about being a facilitator because it's not a common role. Yeah. What were you thinking about it beforehand and how did that match up with the experience? So I didn't know what to expect because I have never facilitated a 90 minute workshop before. I've done much more sort of stand up presentations or Q and A's and panels. So I didn't quite know how that was going to go and what the dialogue would be like and if it would really work well for the session that I was leading. And I walked away really inspired by the collective brain power in the room. I think the thing that sticks with me the most is just you often feel like you're really alone when you're in this role because you don't have critical mass in our organizations. And some of that really great collaboration and brainstorming can't occur because we don't have big enough teams to do so. And to walk around and see all the teams combining their experience, people that were brand new and people that have been doing it for years and years and coming up with really amazing, inspiring ideas, that was cool. But then it also made me sad because it when we look around the room, almost none of the brands are putting out anywhere near the caliber of ideas we were sharing. So I think the more that we come together and create those networks and support one another, we'll start to see more and more of those ideas come out. And that's a really valuable knowledge share that we do at this event. Yeah. And, you know, I would just had a call, um, uh, uh, I think it was today. Yeah. Uh, with the team at SAS who came um, to the last summit because they were just so excited to show that how inspired they were um, from the last event that um, her and her boss went after that and fought to get a seat at the table with marketing because marketing happened to be also doing a, just a full rebrand of the site and the, the company. Good brand. timing. Really good timing because they got back from Summit. They heard that marketing was doing a rebrand and they, they fought to get a seat at the table. And at the end of the day, based on really all the pieces that they learned at Town Brand Summit, they came in with internal comms, corporate marketing, and did a complete career site redesign, EVP, narrative development. I mean, they've got this whole strategy now that they're next year going to be activating uh, even further beyond the, the career site. And it's just, they were just so appreciative. They just wanted to, to, to share with us, you know, that they learned at, at, at Town Brand Summit that when we say you can come to this event you can really learn from other people and then really be have have sort of at least the bones together of of being able to start building out your own strategy when you get back to the office. It's real. It's true. Uh, and, and they're going to actually uh, do a bit of an interview at, at the next Town Brand Summit to talk about like, their case study. That's that's awesome. Um, now they're they, it took them like what that's six months ish to get yeah. to get all that rolled together. I mean. It's not pulling together an employer brand in a hundred days, but it's still pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. I mean, all that they did. It, it, um, I hope they they share you know the the deck that they they showed me today in the in the group. I'll I'll reach out to them. But uh, really awesome work. It, I, they in, to not even work with an agency on that. I was like, wow. It's it, their their marketing team did a great job with them as well. And that that's probably one of the best ways to develop that deep relationship is to ask for help in a genuine way and accept it. And so now whenever they go to their marketing team, they're going to get a much better response had they tried to do it on their own without asking for help. Yep. Cool. Um, so, so you covered, um, you actually covered uh, content last time, but tell us a little bit about the, the roundtable topic that you're tackling at the next summit. So this year I'm tackling candidate experience by design. And that's really because that's what I'm most focused on this year, having just rolled out the employer brand and a new website. Now I really want to focus on improving and enhancing our candidate experience. And it's the third prong of what a lot of us do. 
So we're gonna focus on how to create empathy, not only for our candidates, but also for our hiring managers and for our um, recruiters. And when you take a step back and start journey mapping the moments that really matter and the moments between the moments, oftentimes what I've found is that it's really low cost um, strategies and tactics that you can implement that make a huge difference. And last year in my session, budget came up time and time again. We had a lot of great ideas and a lot of people said, well, I don't have the budget or the resources to deploy an idea like that. What could someone like me do? I feel like this is the perfect session for people without budget because you can make a huge impact by making it easier to apply for jobs, make it easier for our candidates to show themselves in their best light without spending a lot of money. Yeah, that's great. With, I, I always feel like with candidate experience, it really is about the little things. You know, it's it, there are little things that you can do that can make a really big impact on their experience. Like sometimes as simple as making sure that you ask candidates for water or writing their name on a board that's in the room in, in customizing the experience or just, ha, you know, getting an iPad that has, uh, you know, the uh, profiles of all the people they're about to meet there on the table waiting for them. Like it's, it's it can really be these little things. So that's, I'm really excited to see what the discussions end up being uh, in your session. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, we're gonna full on journey map from the three different persona perspectives. And I think what you'll find is really different moments for each of the audiences. And we tend to focus on candidates and sometimes we forget about the recruiters and the hiring managers, but it's the trifecta um, of the perfect love triangle. When you get all three right, the difference can be pretty exponential. So. We'll take a look at those things and learn a lot from the collect. I think all of us together will think of things that none of us would think of alone. And we can all walk back with things that we can implement to improve our strategies. Yeah, that's a great point. The fact that, you know, that's another thing for an employer brand person, you really have three clients and audiences that you're going after, right? The candidate, the recruiting team and the hiring manager, the business, right? Yeah. Cause if, if you don't, if you don't, uh, empathize or support or see things from the recruiting team's perspective, they're not going to adopt or use the, all these cool things that you're developing. You're not going to connect with them. So I think that's, that's amazing. Um, and it's something, it's something that I know that I know that we, um, it's a challenge, you know, all the time to make sure that all the things that we're creating, we're packaging are there usable. And then it's educating and then constantly nudging and doing all those things. But that starts with, understanding their perspective. I love that. Yeah. And awesome. what if you create the best employer brand in the world and you've created affinity with the caliber of talent you want and they're applying and they're coming in, but your hiring managers all treat them like garbage, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to kill your experience. And a lot of times it's out of your control. Or you're not thinking about it. So not a, not forgetting about them and b being empathetic for what they're going through in their day-to-day life to make it easier for them to do the stuff you want to do. Well, yeah. we'll some strategies for that. I love it. So it's like you're, you you put all this time and effort in, into building an employer brand. It sort of becomes like your company's theme song, right? And but but if everybody isn't singing the same song, you know, if we're singing one song to a candidate when trying to attract them, and then they come into an interview and it's a similar song, but it's like a little different with a different beat, it feels weird. You're like, I feel like I've heard the song before, but it's totally different. You know? Yeah. And love it. there's a joke in there about a silent disco, but I'm going to let that go. <laughs> Um, everybody's listening to their own song. So, uh, curiously, what we, what are you looking forward to the most at, at the next summit? Uh, Obviously I'm looking forward to your, your round table session, um, because I think it's going to be a great discussion, but as a facilitator, you're actually participating in the rest of the event. So I'm curious to know what you're looking forward 
too. Yeah, just the collaboration and the brainstorm. Um, I enjoyed that a lot last year. I don't have a lot of that internally at Magellan, people doing the same sort of work. And so just to you know, crowdsource solutions to challenges that I'm working on, building relationships. Um, I built a relationship with a lot of people last year I met for the first time that I've been in touch with. So I'm really curious to see what you're doing and what you're working on and um, have some new friends coming this year as well that I've met on the circuit that I'm really excited to just introduce because we are a really great group. I think that we're pretty special. We share everything that we're learning from, where we're succeeding, where we're failing, and that's pretty rare. So there's a lot of knowledge to be had between us and the lazy river. I'm, yeah. I'm coming for that lazy river. Yes. The truth comes out. She's uh -huh. here. She's just here for the lazy river. Anyway. I'm in the lazy river. I was introduced at a conference last month. Um, uh, Cher Murphy, she said, you know, I met Charlotte on the lazy river in Austin and it was part of the opening remarks. And I was trying to think back about what happened on that lazy river that made it so memorable, but. I love it. I think probably just the fact that you were at a conference and at a lazy river. Lazy, yeah, in a lazy river. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never been on a lazy river before, ever. That's it, a thing here. Yeah, yeah. it's a thing. Uh, even some of the neighborhoods in the whole country out here in Austin have like lazy rivers in, as their community pools. It's, I get uh, it. It's weird, but awesome. Yeah, it's hot in Texas, so we need lots of ways to cool off. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope even more people, um, you know, uh, start introducing each other that way. Well, we met uh, shooting some arrows last year in Austin. And uh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's not normal. Yeah, no. Uh, and that's, what's great about this event. Speaking of like getting to know people, Charlotte, what's something that maybe most people, I mean, you, you do a lot of speaking. A lot of people are, are aware of you, but what's, what's something that they don't know about you? Most people probably don't know that I spent most of my life as a competitive equestrian. A what? Mm -hmm. what, what's that? Is, is that people, people, who, people, oh. who, people who live near the equator? Oh, a competitive horse. Uh, there wow. we go. Okay, yeah. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I don't know what an equestrian is. That's rare. I, I knew that. I was I was I, trying to I was trying for the joke. It did I'm not work. Completely uncultured. Yeah, yeah. So, so equestrian, yeah. So I, horse horseback riding. Yeah. Um and yeah. there's 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 Western and then there's there's all kinds of different variations. Yeah, I grew up going to rodeos and never heard that term and and horseback riding. It's always been horseback riding here in Texas. That's cool. That's awesome. What a great. So did you you own horses growing up and, yeah. and then you you competed? Do you have yeah. like a whole room of trophies? Yeah, ribbons. And ribbons. ribbons. I was, I was going to say I hey, I have so I don't I don't know where they are, but I have a handful of ribbons. Uh I don't think any of them are first place, but I was just going to say they're ribbons. They're all ribbons. Cool. <laughs> Brian, did you do horseback riding too? I did. No way. Yeah. We had, I did not we know had, that. We had horses outside of Houston. Um, we had uh, about four acres. Uh, and we, we, raised, uh, we raised thoroughbreds and then had a couple of them actually go to, um, to, to racing. Like they were, they were, oh. they were bred, raised, um, and, they, and they went on to win a little bit of money. Uh, my mom was excited. Uh, so yeah, so every now and then, uh, every now and then I'm reminded of that and I have a picture actually in my home office of, uh, of, of horses. I love, love, love horses. Didn't enjoy cleaning out the stalls, but I loved horses. <laughs> Shelly, did, what kind of horses did you, did you have and compete with? I had mainly thoroughbreds. Um, I would buy them young off the track around three or four because you can get them pretty inexpensive and then train them. And I did eventing and fox hunting and um, all sorts of 
competitive stuff. That's so interesting that wow. now you guys have that in common. You didn't even know that. I didn't know that about either one of you. That's so fun. We uh, have to get horses at the event now. There are some there. There is a horseback riding is the thing that you can do. So if you want to stay, if you want to stay the weekend, I know um, Brian and his wife and then me and my family are going to stay the weekend afterwards this time. And, and uh, I think horseback riding is probably one of the things that we will be doing over there. Yep. Horseback riding. And it's going to be so much cooler in, yeah. uh, in March mm -hmm. uh, than it was in June. So excited about that. Um, I, I'm curious, um, <laughs> advice to yourself um, back in June would have been uh, pack a lot lighter clothes because it's <laughs> going to be hot. But I'm curious. I'm curious as you think back about advice you would give yourself early on, you know, younger Charlotte. Uh, how, what advice would you give yourself um, getting into employer brand um, that that you you know a tip or trick help you avoid um, any missteps uh, or mistakes? And, yeah. and let's let's just assume you have a time machine. And disclaimer: Charlotte is still very young. That's, that's why okay. I said younger because I was like I was like Charlotte is young, but when you were younger, because you got you had at some point you had to like actually get into you recruiting. Time. Go for it, Charlotte. <laughs> I love hearing men backtrack when they think they've insulted a woman's age. So what okay. what what I love is the fact that I said something perfectly fine and <laughs> Will made it into something that wasn't. Just to sit back and laugh. Yeah, yep, okay, pretty much. So That's normal. Two things um, that come to mind. The first is I think when we're young in career and we're always doing this job for the first time, an organization hasn't necessarily had someone doing this before, so there isn't a job description to follow, you're blazing your own trail. A lot of times the brands expect us or we put it on ourselves to try to do everything ourselves. And I think it's really critical to invest in research to give you the key insights that you need to do everything else that follows. And some of those mistakes I made when I was younger, and some of the things I hear a lot of people doing is trying to do the research internally and not leaning on a professional resource to help with some of those insights. And the fact is, if you don't get the insights right for the talent you're trying to attract, all the creative strategy that follows is going to be off. Mm -hmm. And making assumptions or using old data is really not strong enough to give you the stuff that you need. After you know what makes your personas tick, and after you know the type of talent you need, you know how to connect with them better, it's really critical. So yeah. that is one. And the second is really finding somebody in your organization that can help you be more influential. One of the hardest things for us to do is to build business cases to get the investment we need to get the budget to do the work that we do and also to grow our teams. Um, some of us have been successful growing large teams. A lot of us are still struggling to get more, more um, investment in those areas. And one of the things that I've done in the past that has been really helpful is when you're new to an organization, you don't have that credit, but that um, Sorry, you don't have credibility in the bank with people that you need to influence, so it can be extra tough. So if you can attach yourself to somebody who does, who can call in favors, if you look at the stakeholder group you need to influence to be successful in your role, and you can find someone who's got strong relationships with them, and you go to them together and talk about the work that you're there to lead and the difference that you can make, it can really help knock down some of those barriers. So it still might take you six months, but maybe it won't take you 12 months to yeah. Yeah, get them all. Essentially, you want a you want a lease co-signer uh, to vouch yeah. for you on uh, on on 
on on initiatives that you're trying to get buy-in for. Totally, totally, that totally is, appreciate that. That is fantastic advice. Uh, I kind of wish somebody told me that early on as well. I mean, that's fantastic advice because it, you know, for most people that are doing this, most of the companies that are, are really heavily investing in employee brand and building full-time headcount, they're a little bit bigger organizations. There are internal politics, and in not only are you a new person as an employer brand person coming in. But you're also doing something that is a new muscle being flexed for the company, and so if you if you just start coming out, uh, you know, with all these ideas and people don't know you, don't have the context of it, and they don't understand what you're doing, it's really hard. You have to get an executive sponsor somehow uh, in a lot of these places to in, to to navigate it, um, no matter what role you're in, especially employer branding. So, you yeah, know. That's- Exactly right. The first six months of this role, and I've done it five times now, it's the amount of change management has surprised me that it's been so consistent every time. Because you think the more experienced you get that some of those roadblocks won't still be there, but they certainly have been. And I think everyone around the room sort of sized this, you know, collective, I don't know what the word I'm trying to think of is, but everyone has like, yes, I've been there. Like yeah, they, they, oh, they breathe yeah. a sigh I mean, of relief. Like I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who's you faced guys, this challenge. You're, you're in house. I'm a consultant. So like literally my job is to go in and I'm starting a new EB job and sell it every three months, sometimes with two months, you know, right. It, 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 you know, it, it's the same. It's very similar. Like the way you should enter um, a new employer brand role should be like a consultant asking a lot of questions, building a lot of relationships. Um, there's a lot of change management over communicating. Um, Awesome. So I, I, I totally, totally get what you're saying. So I have a question. Sometimes a consultant can say something that you've said as an internal person and you might've said it a hundred times and it falls on deaf ears. A consultant comes in and says it once and all of a sudden it's taken very seriously. Yes. Perceived value. Perspective of marketplace and brand awareness and things that you have a credibility that we don't necessarily have. So it's actually a really strategic partnership. I often use my external partners as a way to push my agenda. <laughs> yes. Love it. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and that's what we do. And, and for us as a consultant coming in and, 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 and from a practitioner standpoint too, not just pushing strategy, but doing the work, you know, using our, our, our client, the leader there and getting their buy-in and having them, um, uh, get us in front of the right people to help push their agenda is is very effective. Something about that perceived value of outside and and, and three pieces of, of advice. Mm-hmm. What? Three pieces of advice. We got a bonus a piece of advice. Oh, there. let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. So that's it. Like th- those were the three things. Is yeah. uh, is learn how to leverage your external partners. So the, oh, thir- yeah. the first one was um, don't think you have to own everything yourself. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then. The the second one was remind me Charlotte. Find a co-sponsor. For find that a lease. co-sponsor. Find find a co-signer for for that lease. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one is um, leverage your external partners because yeah. those consultants have credibility. Um, probably because they're paying more out of pocket to have the <laughs> consultant come ah, in. Come on. No, I'm seriously yeah. no. So more than your somebody's salary, it's like they're, okay, we've engaged this company to come in. Let's respect that investment. Mm-hmm. And take their take their experience at at value. Yeah, I think also to to add to that point, it's it you have somebody who's giving an outsider's perspective. It's sometimes really hard to see yourself in the mirror to see what you're doing. You're sort of in your bubble. It's, when you it's have somebody, hard for me every day to see myself in the mirror, but I do it right because <laughs> I, I have to do it. Yeah, I have to look at you right now. I'm just kidding. No, uh, that, I, I agree. But but having somebody come from the outside who has seen it in a different a lot of other places. 
uh, is super valuable. So thank you for for validating uh, my profession, Charlotte. I appreciate it. Um, I have I have one random question to follow up for that. We're going a little long. I know so we're I was going about a to close bit, it out. I know. I know right. you were. So out of sheer curiosity, uh, because you fought this battle five times in a row, mm-hmm. do you ever get into a room and you're like, "Wow, I need to dust off this presentation because this hits all the points of like the things that I know that they care about." I'm just that's just your sheer curiosity from my point. It's been different every time. And that's the thing that I tell people about to build a strategy that's going to get you where you need to go. You have to align it to your business's priorities and their strategic objectives and where they're trying to go. And every brand has had really different priorities that I needed to tap into to demonstrate how I could improve upon those things, to do it quicker, to do it less expensively, or to build them greater equity in the market. So it's not necessarily the same thing. I did learn quite a bit from this last round at Magellan because I did it in a different manner than I had before. And it truly did inspire me to change the way I approach brand building in the future. Um, moving at, sp- at pace and with speed is incredibly important. Um, a, to get your investment. When I presented a business case to build the brand in 100 days, it was immensely more appealing to my senior stakeholders because they could realize the ROI in the same year that I was requesting the budget. The brand before it was millions of dollars, 18 months. And it, you know, that was a big ask that took a little while to get this time, hundred thousand dollars, a hundred days. And it was super exciting for my CHRO to say, okay, in a hundred days, we're going to have our employer brand. Um, and then also the speed and pace at which you activate is incredibly important because your EVP has a shelf life. And if it takes you 12 months to activate a brand, it's already somewhat out of date. That's yeah, that it changes with the culture. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as the market changes. So mm-hmm. the market that you're trying to reach, as their needs, wants, and desires change over time, your EVP needs to change and grow to reflect that. So it at least needs to be sense-checked annually, if not changed. So if I think about the brands before taking 12 to 18 months to activate, you know, we really were a bit behind the curve. Yeah. Charlotte, thank you so much. Every time I talk to you, I learn something. Uh, and, and I Me love too. that. You are an amazing communicator of, of, of this profession. And I love that you're out there and you do so much to share that knowledge. Uh, just thank you so much for what for the, the second year in a row coming and facilitating and pouring your knowledge into the rest of the community and your continued engagement in, in the community online. Uh, I just I can never say enough good things about you when people uh, when I when I talk about you to people because it, it's true, you are uh, uh, we are you are a huge value in this industry and and I really really appreciate you coming and speaking with us today. Absolutely, what he said. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait to see you guys. It'll be a good time. Yeah, I'll see you in I'm March. To it. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks, Charlotte. Bye. Congratulations on making it this far into the podcast. Maybe you're asleep. Maybe you're driving. Let's hope you're not doing both of those things. Regardless, join us March 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas for the Talent Brand Summit 2019. The Talent Brand Summit is a two-day experiential workshop designed to pioneer the next level of employer branding and more specifically, your own talent brand strategy. Leverage your peers as you spend two intense days building your talent brand strategy and deepening your professional relationships in this growing field as we open our playbooks and share what's working and what's not in talent branding. You'll lead the summit with Tomahawk and Archery Skills, a network of talent brand peers and mentors, along with a tangible framework to usher your own program into the future. This event is exclusively for talent acquisition leaders and employer branding and recruitment marketing practitioners. 
Does this sound like you? Go to talentbrand.org summit to request access to purchase your ticket today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talent Brand Podcast brought to you by Talent Brand Alliance. If you're an employee experience storyteller, don't forget to join the Talent Brand Alliance group and learn more about the next summit event at talentbrand.org. That's talentbrand.org.